Welcome back to The Compass, the sermon-based podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Anvil, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue to work our way through God's Word. We'd love for you to come and to worship in person at Calvary. We're located at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you need more information, all you have to do is check out calvaryfayetteville.com or email us at info at calvaryfayetteville.com. We have a phone line that's waiting to answer some of those questions as well. It's 479-442-4634. This week, we're sharing message number two in a three-week series over the Trinity. This week, I have the opportunity to share from John chapter 14, verses 15 through 31, as we talk about God the Spirit. Let's listen together. Let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in a act close to you. But again, that's John chapter 14. We're going to be looking at verses 15 through 31. That song that we just sang ends on a phrase that we don't use a whole lot in our church, do we? We talk about God the Holy Spirit, but we don't often say the Holy Ghost. I don't know if it's just an aversion to that phraseology, but we find it a lot in older songs and other times. Um, But that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're looking at God the Spirit. Again, that's in John 14, verses 15 through 31. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Kirk asked me if I'd like to do a three-week series. He was out last week, and um, he'll be out at a conference this next week. On Sunday, so it's a perfect opportunity for me to tie together three message, three messages, and I'm always honored to share God's word with you, and I count it as a privilege each opportunity I have to stand before you to share the word. It's a very serious privilege, as looking into God's word and teaching from it is a high calling. Last week we began our three week series on the Trinity. Now the Trinity is not an easy concept in our failed attempts to describe the relationship and workings of our triune God. We have used a number of illustrations. Some of those I shared last week. We compared God to an egg, which is a very strange thing to think of, but an egg has a shell, a yolk, and a white. All of it is still egg, just like God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Others have used this idea of water. Water can be solid. It's a When it's frozen, that's ice, and water can be a liquid, as we most often see it, and it can be a gas when it's turned to mist. Now, the other example I came across this week was the apple. Much like the egg illustration, the skin is apple, the flesh is apple, and the core is apple. Three distinct parts. Now, in an article from Logos Bible Software, Philip Carey states that these are all bad analogies because they're materialistic. They interpret God's being in the terms of the material that makes up God. But the fact is that there is no material that makes God. God is immaterial. There's no stuff that he's made of. The way the ice cubes in your fridge are made of the same water that came out of your tap a few hours earlier. Kerry goes on to say, if you want an analogy that is designed specifically to capture the logic of God being three in one, 
The best one that Carrier writes is, I know of is found at the end of Dante's great poem, Divine Comedy, where he tries to describe what it's like to see God in heaven. After warning us that he's about to give, about to say is woefully inadequate, he nonetheless gives it a try. And one of the things that he says, it's like seeing three circles of light completely overlapping one another, each with a different color. The strange thing is that the three colors were distinct and unmixed. It was not as if the red and yellow and white light came together and combined to make just one pale orange light. It was more like three equal suns occupying exactly the same space, each shining with its own color and each color perfectly itself. Now, while illustrations fall short, it doesn't change the triune God that we love and that we serve. Even from the beginning... God has described himself in ways that helps us understand his nature. In Genesis 1.1, the scripture uses the word Elohim, and that's in a plural in nature. In Genesis 1.26, the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, the Bible goes on to show us in the New Testament a very visible understanding of who God is. If we look in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Jesus is baptized. In the beginning of verse 16, it says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So as we try to understand the Trinity a little bit better, we have this immediate illustration where we see God the Son being baptized. We see God the Father in that voice that this is my beloved Son who I'm well pleased, and we see the Spirit of God descending like a dove. So we understand this Trinity, this triune nature of God. And with these things in mind, and knowing that Pastor Kirk had just shown us the last days of Jesus as we were entering toward a Resurrection Sunday, we began our study last week looking at God the Son. We sought to understand Jesus so that we might more fully understand the Trinity. As we looked at God the Son, this week's God the Spirit, next week is God the Father. But as we talked about Jesus, we learned together that Jesus is much more than just the helpless baby of Christmas time. He is more than a great teacher. He is more than a miracle worker. And he's even more than just the great sacrifice. We looked at Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20, to see that Jesus is first in rank. He is, Jesus is the creator that agent of creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Jesus is our great reconciler. Now, we could spend weeks, we could spend months, and maybe even years looking to understand who Jesus is. But in light of this, the three weeks that I have, we're going to look at just these three things. I want us to specifically see last week that Jesus is more than we typically understand him to be. He's not just one of those things that we celebrate on a specific holiday. He is Jesus, the Son of God. 
And if you look at Colossians, you understand the primacy, the greatness, the high value of Jesus. Now, today in our effort to more fully understand the triune God, we want to take some time thinking about the Holy Spirit. And let me start by saying that many of us have grown up in Baptist churches, and we have shied away from the Holy Spirit. We have been afraid of being classified as charismatic or something similar. And so in that reaction, our thinking is often shifted to God the Father, God the Son, and God's holy book. Too often we have set aside the Holy Spirit, but we need to. It's the third person of the Godhead. This type of thinking has caused us to fall short in our understanding of who God is and how he works We need to look at God in totality, all persons of the Godhead. We need to understand that and not be afraid to discuss the Holy Spirit and to study the Holy Spirit, even if it leads us places that we didn't expect. Now, let's look at our text from John 14. And remember that this is some of Jesus' last words to his disciples when he was on the the earth and before his crucifixion and resurrection, he was trying to help them understand what the next period of time was going to be like and to help them understand that help was on the way. You know, last words are important. It's one of the reasons I love this whole portion of the book of John. I remember last words from my dad. They were important words. He shared those things with me that I needed to take care of of my mom, that I needed to know that he was proud of me, that he loved me, that he cared about me. And he didn't know those were his last words. It was such a blessing to hear some of those things and to know them. And I will forever remember that little period of time when he was in the hospital. And we're all like that. As we think about last words from people, several years ago, there was a professor who knew that he was dying of cancer. And he did a seminar. I remember them videoing it. You'd see it on like all the talk shows, Oprah and all these other things. And he wanted to get those last words out. Well, Jesus' last words to his disciples here are promises of hope, promises of help. So in John chapter 14, verse 15, the Bible says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. And in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you, and whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest himself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us, not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my commands, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. 
Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I, and now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for how you care for us, how you love us, and Father, how you give us your word. We don't have to wonder what you want us to know. You have it right here. And we're so thankful for that. We just ask that you help us as we study today, as we look and try to understand what we need to know and how our lives need to be shaped by it. Father, help us to say yes before anything else, that we're ready and we want to go forward. Father, forgive us where we fail you in Christ, and we pray. Amen. Well, as God's people, it's important that we have a better understanding who God is. And specifically today, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. Creeds and doctrinal statements have been created in an attempt to accurately sum up what we believe about all portions of the Godhead and about the church. Um, we're BMA Baptist, Baptist Missionary Association of America, and we have a statement. You can find it on either studentministrymatters.com, that's the website for the BMA of Arkansas Youth Department that I'm ahead up. But other places, it, it is very succinct, and it tells us a great deal about what we believe about the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is the manifest presence of deity. He convicts of sin, teaches spiritual truths according to the written word, permanently indwells believers, and confers on every believer at conversion the ability to render effective spiritual service. Those are great thoughts, and they help us get a grasp on who God is and specifically who God the Holy Spirit is. And while that's useful, I want us to have a better understanding from the passage that we read today as we look at the Holy Spirit so that we'll understand him and that we will trust the Holy Spirit in a greater way and have a under, better understanding of the Trinity as a whole. So we're going to look at five things today as we spend some time thinking about the Holy Spirit. First of all, we see in this passage that the Holy Spirit is our helper. I love that word. We all want to be, well, not all of us want to be helpers, but many of us like to be helpers. I know that as I've taught children, as I've taught adults, as I've taught kids, there's always somebody in the class, and you might think, well, that's teacher's pet. It's not. They're just those that are helpers by nature, and they want to be involved. They want to help. And it's, they can be a little crazy and a little wild at times, but knowing that the Holy Spirit is our helper is a great encouragement. As we look at uh, verse 
16. So then I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And then over in verse 26, he repeats that idea. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. My wife is a play therapist. For those of you who are not sure what that is or does, she's a, a uh, mental health therapist, and specifically, she works with play. Well, kind of the, the grandfather of all play therapists is Mr. Rogers. Fred Rogers from the old Mr. Rogers Neighborhood Show. Um, they love to pass around quotes. You'll see them on those things. Uh, I even bought her one of those little pop figures that's got little Mr. Rogers holding Daniel, the, the lion, our tiger puppet. And so she loves Mr. Rogers. But for me, one of the things that I remember, because if you're of a certain age, you remember Mr. Rogers. If you're younger than that, you have no idea who I'm talking about right now. And that's okay. <laughs> it was, he had creepy puppets. Uh, that was part of it. But he was always there to help and encourage. One of my favorite things is knowing that the mailman, who was a black man, um, this was a time when racial tensions were high, and what he did was Mr. Rogers had a little pool outside of his house, out in the front, and he was sitting there with his feet in this pool, and he invited the postman, who was a black man, to put his feet in the same pool, and in that small way, working on some of those issues of racial injustice. But one of the things that Mr. Rogers said was that when things are hard, when things are difficult, look for the helpers. And you know who the helpers are. They're the firemen. They've got the uniform on, or the police, the nurses. And as I've taught Taekwondo to little guys in my Little Dragons classes over the years, I've said, what happens if your parents get lost from you? What do you do in those moments? You look for the helpers, and usually they have a vest on, or if you're in Target, they're a red shirt, or they may have a name tag, or you look for the other ones. And for some of those kids, they could always get stuck on uniform. Well, I have to find somebody in a Taekwondo uniform. No, that's not what we're looking for, but we're looking for the helpers because they're there in the difficult and hard times. They're often the people that are running towards the problem. We see that. We know that from some of the great hard things that we as a nation have gone through, and, and we've seen those men and women run into the danger. Well, God's Word tells us that He sent us a helper. So that when it was hard and difficult, He is there for us. When someone you love is going through hard times and pain and you're afraid of death and difficulty, there's a helper who is there for us. Now, one of the issues is that often we're maybe afraid or maybe too proud to ask for help. But God is there and he says that he will send us a helper and the Holy Spirit is that helper that we need to look to. The other thing that we find in this passage is that the Holy Spirit is our companion. We've already read verse 16. 
that he's going to be our helper. And verse 17 says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Our world is, in many ways, a very lonely place. We live in a society and a culture where we all feel connected because maybe we're on Facebook or we're on Instagram or we're watching TikTok videos or we are involved in Twitter and we're involved with all these people out in the world. But never have I seen a time when so many students and so many adults are just at this place of loneliness. Think about the pandemic, about the days when we were all cloistered away. We were put in this place of not knowing what to do and what was going to happen for 12 weeks. During the summer of 2020, we didn't have worship services here in this building. It's a lonely place. And many people around you are experiencing that same sort of loneliness. But Jesus knew that we needed a companion. Someone that was going to be with us to encourage us. Someone that was going to be that helper, that, that person that was going to be there when we felt completely alone. And that is in large part why we have the Holy Spirit with us. So that when you're faced with difficulties, when you're faced with hardships, when you're faced with loneliness that seems overwhelming, God is there. By nature, I'm an introvert. I call myself a functioning extrovert because of, if you're in ministry, you got to talk to people. You can't just go to a place and read or be by yourself. That's the whole point of ministry is being around people. But even as an introvert, there are times where I can feel very lonely. But knowing that the Holy Spirit is there for me, that's a companion with me as a believer in Christ, he's not just with me, he is in me, that is great hope. That is great peace, which we'll get to in just a moment. But Jesus knew that we needed a companion. He gave us the Holy Spirit as an answer to that understanding. So we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is our helper. And just like those, those people that Mr. Rogers talked about, we can turn to the Holy Spirit as our great helper. He is also our companion. And number three... The Holy Spirit is ours and not the world's. Now, that may seem like a point of bragging, but that's clearly what the Bible tells us right here. <coughs> it says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. As believers, we are different. If we have accepted Jesus Christ, if we have accepted this great gift of salvation that God offers, He's offering to all of us. We are made different. The Bible says that we are a new creation in Christ. That means that we're different from the world around us. You know, I love going to a Razorback football game. There's tons of people there. It would be great if we could see who are Christ followers just by, you know, maybe they had a little halo above their head or a mark on their head, you know, that you would know for sure. But as we look around, we know that we are different and we should be different. 1 Peter 2.9 says that we are a chosen people. We're a holy nation. The KJV uses the word a peculiar people. 
And we're kind of peculiar, but that's not exactly what it means there. The truth is that we are set apart. The Holy Spirit is ours because we have believed. The Holy Spirit is not in the lost person's life. It's one of the great things that comes and dwells us, that's a part of us, that is our companion, that is our helper for those that have believed. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which the lost cannot experience until they come to faith in Christ. And so that's something that we need to remember. It is one of the great perks of being a believer, and it is all the more reason that we need to tell others about Jesus Christ, because they are different. We cannot expect unbelievers to act like believers until they have been transformed by the gospel power of Jesus Christ. Too often we think, well, they should just act right. They should be good. They should do these things. But the difference is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer. We're not indwelling the lost that are all around us. So we need to share that great message of Jesus Christ. Number four, we need to see that the Holy Spirit is our great teacher and our great reminder. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 26, the Bible says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, many of us have been in church a lifetime. Maybe you can claim, I was in church even before I was born because your parents, you know, they were, they were attending as you were growing up. However, we struggle to remember all the truths that have been taught to us, especially when we're in places of difficulty and hardship, in places of not knowing the best answer. But in those moments, we need to trust the Holy Spirit to bring to mind those things that we've been taught so that when we're sharing our faith, when we're trying to have a spiritual conversation, that the Holy Spirit can, one, remind us of those things that we have learned and teach us through those moments and then bring to mind other things. This week, I had the opportunity to be at our national meeting in Conway. Tuesday night, as we often do, when you go to these things, the meetings are important. So we vote on things. That's a part of what it's all about. But one of the best parts is getting to see your friends in ministry that you haven't seen for months and months because they're serving somewhere else. And so you maybe went to college with them or seminary. Um, so I, we go out on Tuesday night after the meeting. We go to a place called Hideaway Pizza. And we started uh, just doing the goofy things that we do. But our waitress, we started talking to one of the guys asked her, well, you know, what's your faith like? You know, what, what do you believe about God? And, and that conversation got going a little bit. And, and then you could see the wall, some of the walls coming up. You know, well, faith is a, a personal thing for me. And, and I don't really go to church. I used to be a Mormon. And so all sorts of question marks were going on in our head. So we started talking some more. And one friend said, well, you should look at your Bible and just read these passages. And and she, again, talked about it being private. We wanted to encourage her to go to church or to be involved in a faith family because that's where you can learn and grow and all the great things. And, and the Holy Spirit reminded me 
of a place that's perfect for a young lady like that. She was a sophomore at UCA. There's the perspective, which is Antioch's college ministry that meets right off of the college campus there. That was not something that I thought of on my own. The Holy Spirit reminded me of that and then reminded me again to say something as we end the evening. So what we need to understand is the Holy Spirit works in our lives to teach us things, taught me a lot as I was watching my friends try to share their faith, and then will bring to your mind things that you've learned, things that will be useful in those situations. Too often we don't listen to that voice. We don't listen to the Holy Spirit. We just ignore either those reminders or those things that the Holy Spirit is teaching us. But God calls us to listen, to embrace, to lean into the Holy Spirit because he is that helper, he is that companion that Jesus said he was going to send and he sent to us. And then finally, from this passage, I want us to see that the Holy Spirit is our peace. Beginning in verse 27, the Bible says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, there are times in our lives when we all struggle with anxiety and worry. Now, you, you might be the exception. I never worry. I'm never, never fear, fearful. But for most of us, there's at least some point. Maybe we're making application to college and worried, are we going to make it in? We are trying to decide, do I ask that girl out? Will she flat out reject me? There are other times when we finally decide, hey, I'm going to propose. There's fear and there's worry. How can I take care of my family? How can I make it? Or maybe it's something larger. Maybe you find out that you have been diagnosed with something. Or worse yet, one of your kids is diagnosed with something. There's great fear and there's great worry in our lives. Matthew 6 speaks directly to this, where God's Word tells us that He takes care of the birds, He takes care of the flowers, and all of those things, so we shouldn't worry. We should trust the Father. But the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and brings with Him peace. Jesus is speaking of the Holy Spirit as it leads up to this point, and he speaks of peace, real peace that we can have when we trust him. Now, over the years, and especially now, um, I, I've known students that are, that are fearful, they're worried. I've had opportunities to talk with mental health experts to talk about how this pandemic has affected our students and children in even greater ways than we know and understand because normal normal has been tossed out the window. We need to understand that there is a mental health crisis with those that are in school and all the way down now because of some of these things. And we'll eventually, we will get back to a place where we feel more comfortable. But think about it. Our normal, we had an idea of what that was. Somebody my age understand that, older, understand that. Normal for children and teenagers was derailed. (laughs) 
they haven't known a world without a pandemic. And so we knew plenty of years without that. But in all of those times of trouble, all of those difficult moments, we need to understand that we find peace when the Holy Spirit is an active part of our life. As we read the Word, as we pray, as we embrace the God who loves us, who cares about us, the Holy Spirit is our peace. Well, to understand the triune God, we must truly see the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. He's not someone to run from because of how others have spoken of him. We are to know him and allow him to work in our lives. We don't need to be concerned about what another group believes and how they act on those things. We need to see what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, read it, study it, know it, believe it, because it is the truth. Sometimes that can be scary. Understanding the truths of Scripture can be scary. There are times when I hear Jesus' words and I go, I really don't want to follow that. That's difficult. That's hard. And so we need to embrace the Holy Spirit. We need to seek the helper when we need help. <coughs> we need to realize that we are not alone. Jesus has left us a great companion we should see the Holy Spirit is the privilege of the believer. And when we don't understand, we must trust the Holy Spirit to help us see more clearly and remember the things of God's Word. And when our world feels upside down, we should lean on the Holy Spirit and trust the peace that He can provide. So let me ask you a couple of questions as we come to a close today. Have you been running from the Spirit's involvement in your life? You may think, well, I haven't. I come to church every week. If we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to impact our day-to-day -day function as we operate in and out of this world, then we've been running from the Spirit's involvement. God wants to be an active part of your life. So when you go to the grocery store, when you interact with your family, when you're at the workplace, you are a representative of the kingdom if you're a believer in Christ. And so that should affect how you interact with this world. When you're in school, when you are teaching as we have or we have students here, wherever you're at, you're a representative of the kingdom if you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ. And we need the Holy Spirit guiding us, leading us, directing us, working in and through us, helping us to remember those things that we need to share. We don't need to be fearful of spiritual conversations with the lost because the Spirit is there to guide us and to help us as we go through those. So have you been running? Have you been stepping away? Then lean into that relationship. Second question is, how can you take just one step towards allowing him to be a more active part of your life today and this week? Just one step. Maybe it is embracing uh, the Word more. How is that? Leaning into our relationship with the Holy Spirit. If we don't have anything to call from, he, God is going to maybe help us, but we need to know God's Word so that He can pull to mind those things. That's one of the reasons uh, Scripture memory is so vitally important. As you learn Scripture, God, through His Spirit, will remind you of those things as you face certain situations. 
So think about that. How can you take one step towards allowing him to be more active part of your life today? God is calling us to know the Holy Spirit, to embrace the Holy Spirit. As believers in Christ, the Holy Spirit is there. It's a part of who we are. He has gifted you for ministry. And the question is, will you allow him to to work through you? I just pray that today you'll have a better understanding of the Holy Spirit and that as you navigate life, that you will trust him along the way because he is a good and gracious and kind God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to understand a little bit more about who you are and how you work in our life. I just ask that in the days ahead, that we will be your people, that we will be set apart, that we will trust your spirit to work in our lives. And Father, help us to to know you better so that we can tell others about you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.